Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Today y Manana. I'm Alex. This is Michael. We're very excited to have you joining us this morning. On a, on a, it's not as cold as it has no, been. No, I, I think people are getting worried that we're getting through the fall spring, because I think this weekend they said, like, in the okay. 60s. Okay. So a lot of people were kind of worried, like, we're getting the fall spring, because then by next week or two weeks It'll from now, it'll be like, like we'll get snow. Yeah. We'll get, like, you know, three inches of snow. And we'll be like, no. And the only thing I always worry about this time of year is the plants. Because I know some trees, if they get warm weather, they begin to, to bud, start budding. Flows, exactly. And, and then, then what you get warned is that you get hit by real mm-hmm. cold frost and then you know, it can kill the tree. We've, kill the tree yeah. we've experienced that. We had a yeah. beloved peach tree that died because of it. It uh, was a little too early. So yeah. You don't want to be over aggressive. No. You need to manage your risk appropriately. Ooh. I feel like we should bring that back later. <laughs> I think we will come around to that later. <laughs> Instead of a peach tree, a money tree. Your money, money tree. There you know. There you know. So we got a great show lined up for everyone this morning. We're going to be joined shortly in the show by Shannon Miller. She's the founder and owner of 360 Health and Wellness. Um, later, Michael and I will talk some finance. Um, as always, love being here on the Out of Seville Network. Uh, a couple thanks, of course, to our presenter, Emergent Financial Services, as well as our great partners at Tradex Serious Insurance, Matias Yon Realty, Castle Hill Cider, Forward Adelante. Uh, appreciate, of course, all of you joining us. We're already being joined uh, by uh, Monica Miller from Montana joining mm. us this morning. So our viewers... Monica is becoming around. our number one fan. Monica is a, is a like, great viewer. Is a great viewer. Always has some I questions know. and comments. I feel like, God forbid, Monica like lost internet. I feel like she would just drive in town just to make sure she watched the <laughs> show. Watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate uh, mm-hmm. all of you. No matter how far you are, exactly. are watching from. Across last, the country. Last week we had like international... Oh, really? Uh, we, we had Spain, New York, possibly Miami, and Montana. Wow. And for Charlottesville. We're know, hitting so all the points of... Uh, always had some Charlottesville. Yeah, yeah you got to hit all the, uh, all the, major, the major points mm-hmm. in the U.S. So, uh, of course, last since we always love to talk a little bit about UVA. Had some yeah, we like again. to touch upon it. Uh, yeah, I mean, they had, I mean, you were telling Xavier the historic victory that so, they had. I think they held Miami to, what, 38, 38 points? points. It was... So, to put in perspective, which I love to see, because the defense, obviously, it's always nice when the defense is back, because that's kind of the calling card. Yeah. You've game. always been a big defense guy. You say the best it's, offense is a good defense. Exactly. Well, it's, it's fun, too. I mean, I, I don't know. So maybe some people get bored with the defense, but I like watching good basketball defense, because it's just exciting to be like, this team is like on pace to be mm-hmm. like, there's lowest points all year. Miami was averaging 80 points a day. We held them to 38 points for the entire game, which was their lowest point total since joining the ACC in 2004, and their lowest points since 1985 when they first reinstated their basketball program. Wow. So basically, since they started basketball again, only once have they scored, only in that very first year when they first had basketball again, did they have a lower point total than the 38 points they scored the other night. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So that was a nice... It was a nice win. We beat them. I mean, it was no beat. We beat them and we beat Clemson. Mm-hmm. And Clemson then turned around and went and beat UNC. Yeah. And, and like you said, they, their defense has improved because mm-hmm. at last time or three weeks back when we were talking about it, we, we were, were like, listen, the offensive is struggling, but you need to have really good defense. That's what made those teams from 2014 to 2019 really good mm-hmm. is that it didn't matter whether the offense was having a good day or, or a bad day. The defense was just going to be great. Exactly. So it always gave them a chance to win. And, mm-hmm. and very clearly, the offense is not, is not on par with the, other, the better team's offensive mm-hmm. outputs, like UNC or Duke or you know, maybe what, Kentucky or Kansas, one mm-hmm. of those kinds exactly. of teams, those top dogs. 
they're not on par with that. But if you can have your defense play really solid and really great defense, it gives you a chance. It gives you a chance. And, and very clear, that's what's been happening because I haven't seen UVA putting the points on the board. I mean, they I only mean, won 60 38. 60, they scored 60. Yeah, I mean, but 60 for us feels a lot. But uh, I mean, <laughs> other teams average like 75 sometimes. In, well, Miami was averaging 80. And they're there you go. So, I mean, yeah. Teams. So it's added. I think it's, it's just also the defense travel. Sometimes on the road, it might be tough to score. Mm-hmm. But you can always play defense, even True. even on the road. So it's, it was a good week, and I think we've kind of pushed ourselves back into uh, tournament contention. Yeah, you at told least. me. I mean, at this point, you said we're second in the ACC. Second in the ACC. Jerry was saying apparently we're like first four in or last four in, like the, in the last four teams that might make it in if Got it were today. The selection. Oh, that's not bad. Which is not a bad place yeah. to be. You know, we, there's still. I mean, we play some good teams on the schedule, but we, we still play tough, a couple teams that we should beat. Mm-hmm. You know, but we definitely have a couple tough matches. And I still think for UVA, a, a lot of our chances of going into the tournament is going to rely on how we do in the ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like if we have a good showing that might propel us. It doesn't matter whether we win or not. If we have a good showing, yeah, it might if you didn't get that semifinal. Exactly. If you, which is nice that if you're one of the top four seeds, you get that double bye. So you only have to win two games, right? Or one? I think you only have to win one game to get to the semifinal. Wow. If you are. It would be nice. It's nice to win two games to get to the final. But if I think if you're a top seed, you only have to win one game mm. to get to the semifinal. Yeah, so that's that. That, that should be doable. doable. Yeah, it's, it's still not sure whether we get one of those top four seeds. I don't know how the. Well, to see how it shapes out. We're well, the problem is, remember, we still close. got the issue is we still got to play UNC and we still got to play Duke. Mm-hmm. Duke on the road, UNC at home, oh. but those are really two very that's tough, tough teams. teams. That's yeah. tough. And we only play each of them once, mm-hmm. which is. Better. Good and bad, right? Good in the sense you only have to play them once. Bad, you, you don't have a, a chance to afterwards to catch up again. If you yeah, have, but I think in this this year, I think it's better that we don't play them once. Good. Yeah, and and then rather try to beat them in the tournament, mm-hmm. ACC tournament. So. Exactly. So I mean, it's it's been good. We've been yeah. uh, you know we'll we'll keep mentioning it. Exactly. So far, we'll, we'll stay on top of them because we know Tony Bennett's watching. They haven't lost in seven in a row since we had our talk. Exactly. About what's wrong with you, yay? Exactly. Well, you know, you, we are like I, like we were mentioned before the show. Like we were talking about it. And I'm telling you, Tony Bennett was listening. He said, "Oh man, Alex, Alex, and Michael are getting on me right now. I got, I got to turn this, got to turn this program around." Um, Wouldn't run out to Michael on your. No, back. exactly. Yeah. We. I don't want to get called out today, manana. No, that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> So it's been, but it's been fun to see. So we've we've enjoyed it. We've yeah, enjoyed it's it. good to kind of get back in the swing of UVA sports. Absolutely, you know, we've had a bit of a lull the past. We had like a peak in 2019 where I think we won the we won the NCAA tournament of basketball. We made the ACC championship in football. If I'm correct, wasn't that the same? Yep, year? yep. Maybe. I mean, we hit like an ultimate peak. We had won you know, baseball a, a few, few years, years before, earlier. but one lacrosse. Yeah, one lacrosse. We've won like a thousand soccer. Yeah, and then since then we've kind of had a bit of a lull. So. Be nice to kind of get back, back into the national spotlight. Back. Uh, Monica says, uh, "Good morning, good morning, Monica. Thanks for watching." How do you this say morning. "good morning" in German, Alex? Uh, I think it's just "Guten Tag." I thought it was "Guten Morgen." Oh, "Guten Morgen." You could do that. Well, you could do either Monica, way. I know. I know better. You could do either <laughs> way. You could say "Good day" or "Good morning." No, but I say "Good morning." Yeah, "Good morning." Yeah, "Good morning." There you go. There you go. You should do. There you go. That'll do it. Very I know. Disappointing. 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 We're gonna have to report that to. Uh, the, life. the higher ups. The, life. the higher ups. 
Alrighty, so I'm excited to jump into today's guest. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. So we're, we're super excited to welcome to the show this morning, Shannon Miller. She is the founder and owner of 360 Health and Wellness. Shannon, thanks so much for coming on this yeah, morning. Thanks for coming Thank on, Shannon. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. No, it's good, good to have you on. So for those who haven't met you yet, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you first go down the road of becoming interested in, in the health and wellness field? Sure. So um, I started out, I graduated at Virginia Tech, my... Uh, initial goal was to be a large animal vet, so that seems kind of silly now that I'm not taking care of animals, but my mentor at the time kind of talked me out of going to vet school, interestingly enough, so then I decided, well, I, you know, I want to, I'm a caring person, I want to take care of people, so why not just do nursing? Mm -hmm. Um, So I went to John Hopkins, I did an accelerated program in nursing there, and then I was a nurse for a good eight to nine years before I went back and got my master's uh, for a nurse practitioner. So I've been in healthcare for about 17 years, and the first eight or nine of that was in an ER trauma unit um, in D.C. So definitely saw a lot of things there. I learned, I can't even, that was probably where I learned the most initially in my career, uh, which is why I stayed in the ER for so long. Um, I worked with some amazing nurses, some amazing physicians, and it was such a wonderful environment. The physicians there really wanted you to be autonomous in your care, mm-hmm. um, and, and they taught you a lot of things. So that was I'm really grateful for that experience. Um, I went back to get my nurse practitioner just because you know I felt like I wanted to do more than what I was doing, and went back to Georgetown and got my master's. Um, and then I kind of thought I was going to go back into the ER because that was kind of what I loved, but I found that after having some children and losing my father to cancer, that ER was a little difficult, I feel Mm -hmm. like. You know, some of the things that I could handle before was a little harder for me to do. So I went into family medicine, and I worked at a federally qualified health center in Georgia, which also was a wonderful learning experience. For those that don't know what that is, it's kind of like a um, uh, underserved populations, essentially. Mm -hmm. So So people that might not otherwise... Have yeah. access to healthcare. You yeah. try to help them out. Exactly, uh, and that was also, like I said, it was a really great experience because I got to learn about different ways to uh, to get care for patients and mm-hmm. medications for patients. And so I feel like I've taken that with me uh, when I came here, came back to Virginia to work, and uh, worked at Centera uh, for uh, Martha Jefferson and Family Medicine for a couple of years, and. You know, I think what kind of pushed me into what I'm doing now, which mm-hmm. is the direct primary care model, is healthcare is just not what it used to be. Or, you know, I don't know if it ever really was, maybe way back when, before I was even born. Um, you know, your physician would go to your house, you know, like mm-hmm. the doctor that. House, that not, house calls. Right, house exactly. calls. Exactly, and horse and carriage. <laughs> yeah. The doctor that maybe helped, you know, birth you in the hospital or in your home or whatever was, was who took care of you all the time. Um, but that model changed, and I and I know it's it's because of a growing population, and then there's just not as many people going into primary care because mm-hmm. it's not you know, there's no glory in primary care. I think is probably the the right way to put it. Um, and money, right? I mean, money mm-hmm. is part of it, and yeah. we I always say that we're kind of like the the people on the back burner in primary care because we don't bring money to organizations generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's frustrating because I get healthcare shouldn't be about money, even though it is. Um, and, it, and it's run by insurance. And, insurance, I know we've talked before, yeah. is that it just it, it, the way that process works kind of really does force sometimes, I mean, just last week's guest, you know, when he was a doctor, he was saying, you know, you know in and out, in and out, in and out. Yeah. And there's this pressure to do that because... Yeah. You're just you're spending so much time on insurance. Yeah, and 
And exactly why I, I kind of got to this place in my life where I was like, it, I cannot keep doing what I'm doing. Mm. I will burn out. Mm. And there's no, this is what I love. You know, I love taking care of people. It's just my personality. It's who I am. And it's why I went into medicine. It's why I became a nurse practitioner was because of that, uh, that aspect of being able to spend some time with my patients and care for them and, and listen. And, you know, if you're in a primary care office or as patients, you know, I'm not sure what your experience has been, but it is a revolving door. You know, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, shuffling or herding cattle is pretty much kind of how I say <laughs> it is uh, you're in and out and it's not fair. And um, it's not fair to the providers because we certainly didn't didn't uh, design that method of yeah. care. That was insurance. So tell us a little bit about, so what is, for people who don't know, what is the direct primary care yeah. model? How is it, how is it different? So um, I think one thing to say is there's two different. So direct primary care and concierge. I sometimes think they get confused. Mm, Our people okay. are not sure what the difference is or, or boutique uh, care. And so direct primary care is, is just membership-based care. So I am not billing your insurance in addition to your membership dues. Mm. You're basically paying a monthly flat rate for the care that you get, no matter how many times you come in, no matter how many times you talk to me, there's no extra there. Um, And there's also services included in that monthly fee too. I also get discounted lab prices, which are incredibly cheap um, compared to even with what insurance pays for. Mm. Um, Concierge medicine, for the most part, they do monthly memberships as well, but they also double dip and they can bill your insurance. So it's it's a little Uh, bit different. Direct primary care, this whole movement across the country, is basically to get back into real care for your patients and, and not, you know, away from that insurance-based model so that maybe over time, if enough of us do it, they're going to have to lower their prices because mm-hmm. so um, be we're not billing. And so, you know, eventually, again, it's going to take time, and I may be long gone before it happens, but... Uh, that's the that's the goal is to make to get enforced insurance to bring their costs down so people can afford to get care. Mm-hmm. So basically, once people so in other words, people trying to join and say I want to be part of three city health and wellness yeah. in essence, and then for the monthly whenever you need to come in, yeah, you come yeah. in. And there, I mean, you don't. And I think that's the other thing. That's the other benefit of the monthly membership versus a, a normal traditional insurance based office, like. I know patients get frustrated because when they call their, their doctor's office, they just maybe have a question. Well, they're kind of forced to schedule an appointment. Mm-hmm. There's not really a way to talk to the provider uh, without doing so. And the reason is because we can't bill in an insurance-based model unless you come in or it's a virtual mm-hmm. visit. Um, and I think it's frustrating for both of us, uh, the provider and the patient, that that's how it has to be, but that, that is the case. Mm-hmm. And so in direct care, that's completely gone. You know, if you have something that you need to ask me, you can text message me, you can send a message on the patient portal, mm-hmm. you can email me. Like, you, it doesn't have to be a visit. Now, of course, mm-hmm. there, you can visit. I mean, there's obviously times where we need to have in-person visits, yeah. um, and we do. And the nice thing is that you're kind of encouraged to actually use to make use of the what's mm-hmm. being provided because I know sometimes you know you've got I know for some insurance right you've got the a lot of people I know buy it like it's forty dollar you just you pay the forty dollars per visit mm-hmm. so you're always like is it worth it or and especially sometimes well, and depending on the purpose yeah. of the visit you, they don't even cover the insurance won't even cover that but be like sorry this visit was eighty bucks because it what you weren't sick mm-hmm. you it was yeah. for travel purposes you, you needed you had a question on should I take any vaccines before going to X country right and so you're not in, you're encouraged mm-hmm. you always like second guess yourself 
like, do I really want to call my doctor because this is going to cost me 40 bucks? Exactly. Yeah. And, that's, and that's a worry, too, because sometimes you may have a problem and you're like, do I really want to call the doctor or go or have yeah. to pay this? You so wait like, till it's so bad. Exactly. And then sometimes you wait and then the issue becomes even worse. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you're like, oh, I shouldn't have waited. Yeah. But it's interesting what you talk about with the primary care because I feel like it's partially to establishing a personal connection with your doctor mm-hmm. because I'm going to be honest. Um, I don't even remember which doctors I've gone to in the past 10 years, but I do remember we used to have a family pediatrician doctor that my brothers and I saw when we were growing up till we were, at least I remember till I was yes. 12 years old, I still remember Dr. Penn. Yeah. And I still remember him. He was a wonderful older man with glasses. And we had that personal connection. It's like, I always knew Dr. Penn. And you just get to know your doctor so well, you actually just feel comfortable. It's like, you're going to go see Dr. Penn. It feels like you're just going to see old grandpa, yeah. you know, <laughs> who's going to, you know, hit your knee and yeah. do all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. But now it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're always kind of tepid to change, you know, you, we like having the same, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? We like having the constant yeah consistency consistency that's what i was looking for you know so it's like you same way you don't want to constantly be having different dentists you don't Mm -hmm. want to really have different doctors you want to have that personal connection where it's like oh i know this person i have a quick question that i can text them Mm -hmm. or i could just give them a quick call saying hey i'm having this pain here is this something i have to worry about and you could be like no you just probably pulled a muscle you banged it you know something akin to that yeah Yeah, and uh, I do think, I mean, continuity of care is super important. Mm. And when you've got a lot of cooks in the kitchen, um, it makes it harder to to get that patient to have the the better care, essentially. Um, You know, and then part of the other thing that I, that's in my practice, the health and wellness aspect of it, is just I do integrative health, too. So that's kind of combining um, functional, more holistic medicine Mm. with traditional medicine. Mm. Um, So what what are kind of the range of different services that things that you that you can help people with yeah um i mean so i would say it i try to focus on root cause medicine too so mm-hmm. if patients are you know have chronic illness whether it's diabetes blood pressure um, hormones or thyroid or any of those things or chronic fatigue any of that stuff you know uh, most traditional medicine they don't recognize that there are other ways to manage uh, those types of illnesses and, and we just prescribe medications to treat symptoms um, and that's not ideal and I will say that's that, that's what I was taught for a long time in traditional medicine and then I think over over time towards the end before I kind of moved into this model and before I started doing a lot of studying and doing functional medicine um, that is what I was taught and it got to the point where patients would come in and I knew something was going on with them I knew something was wrong but based on the labs things looked fine and so mm-hmm. then you just end up with this like I'm sorry like the labs are fine but that patient's still suffering yeah. so it, it just kind of was it, I got to the point where I was like there's got to be more like what am I missing what have I not been taught mm-hmm. and I just started reading I started mm-hmm. seeing things I you know I, I, I was working in a practice or I am still part-time you know and I saw some other ways to manage care mm-hmm. and I just dove in and I did a functional medicine program and um, it's very eye-opening. Um, so I can help people with things like that. You know, if, they're, if they've gotten nowhere with care before or they want to look at a different way to treat their chronic illnesses, there's mm-hmm. definitely ways to 
do that. Um, and so what I do is I have my patients come in, we do an intake, we do a 60-minute sit-down, let's chat, let's figure it out. If we need to do labs, we do labs, but okay. there's sometimes we don't have to. It's just kind of looking at symptoms and what ways can we change it, lifestyle, nutrition, um, mm-hmm. do, should we add supplements, you know, those types of things. Um, you know, and I still do traditional medicine too. Not everybody is is on board with, with um, natural medicine, but, you know, I think there's a there's a happy medium mm-hmm. There's like a place for, for both. There mm-hmm. are certain things. Yeah. There are certain things that, right, like you said, sometimes, you know, the way we've been doing medicine in the West is often just puts a Band-Aid on certain mm-hmm. things and doesn't get or, to underline. Or give you a pill. Or yeah. a pill, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there are times when, you know, you, you know if, you, if you need surgery, you need surgery, right? Sure. You're not going to cure, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. If I have a broken arm, there's no get point. Get the leeches on it. <laughs> yeah, no leeches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's the combination sometimes. It's not overlooking one or the other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely a place for traditional medicine, just mm-hmm. like you mentioned, like surgeries, and there's cardiac care and pulmonary care and certain mm-hmm. things that, of course, we can't always 100% make better. Um, but, it, but there is more to our health and our wellness mm-hmm. than, um, than just traditional medicine mm-hmm. and prescribing the medications because mm-hmm. you get side effects from them, and they're expensive. And yeah, absolutely. that's the other thing that's frustrating. You know, all these companies make these incredible medications that for some people could save them, but then they can't afford them. Yeah, mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a frustrating kind of... It's, it's just mm-hmm. it's frustrating. Well, it's just... And it's the thing that if you can... Like you said, if, you, if it's something that can be solved through better nutrition or a sub, you know, balancing out something that you're missing, mm-hmm. a vitamin that you're missing or something that you need or a lifestyle change, then it's better to do that than to put a pill on it that'll have additional side. Like the pill might make the symptom go away. Right. right. The traditional medicine might make the symptom, but then you'll have these other side effects and you might need to take that for the rest of your life. Right. Versus a, ch- a lifestyle change that may not only help that issue, but other issues that you don't know you have. Exactly. Yes, no, 100%. Um, and, and I think, too, what's important to know is that I, I, we live in a society of now, and we always want things to happen now. We want, mm-hmm. we want to be fixed now. We want that, that fatigue to go away now. Yeah. And, and I will say, in functional medicine, when we're doing that approach, it does take longer. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think it is... It's got to be a person that is committed to changing their mm-hmm. lifestyle um, because that's what's going to really create that lasting wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a, hard, that's a hard sell sometimes. And it's hard to do. I mean, changing mm-hmm. your lifestyle is incredibly hard to do. Mm-hmm. That's interesting you mentioned changing lifestyle because I feel like that's been a pattern I've noticed among people post-pandemic. That have you seen that as well? Like people kind of come in saying, "I feel like my life was unhealthy before the pandemic. I'm trying to change I'm trying that. To change yeah. I'm trying to get healthier." Yeah. No, I definitely think there is a, quite a movement, um, and and you can see it just through any social media. Like you see people mm-hmm. talking about it, and and there's more supplement commercials and more like more mm-hmm. push. I feel like mm-hmm. to look at some natural, holistic mm-hmm. ways to treat. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's definitely up and coming and I do think some of our younger generations are more in tune to it. I think it's Mm -hmm. harder, the older that we are, unless you were already using that kind of modality. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard, it's hard to, to change people. Yeah, it's to, hard. To, to change the way you think if you've, yeah. if you've been raised by that. In fact, yeah. uh, Kevin Higgins, thanks for watching the show, audience question here. It's actually kind of related to what you just mm. asked. He said, did you have to make any pivots in your approach 
uh, during or post-pandemic because of how people's lifestyles may have changed. Maybe they didn't go to the doctor for a while, so they, things kind of built up. Or were there any changes? Because it, it, he said it seems to him that you know recovery and reintroduction to what life was is still a work in progress for some people. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a kind of a tough question. Um, I mean, I think trying to come back into medicine and into normal care post-pandemic, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I definitely feel like I was trying to uh, push a little more of lifestyle intervention mm-hmm. because yeah. I think as we learned through COVID, how the virus works on the body and what things we can do to help ourselves yeah. kind of recover, mm-hmm. prevent, um, you know, illnesses like that, it definitely... I, I do think it, it allowed for a, a door to be open into introducing these other types of care and mm-hmm. methods and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, but well, it, maybe open people's eyes a little, just, you know, I mean, you've well, we open people's eyes to like, there are things you do to be healthy that pr- protect you from numerous viruses. And sometimes it's, you get accustomed to like, you know, ah, oh, well, he just got a, you know, he got a bad flu and it, and it got a, but maybe there are things you can do so that if you get the flu, you're not as susceptible to it because you're, you're in a yeah. generally healthier state. And sometimes yeah. it takes a new virus to come along and say, ah, I probably should have been doing that yeah. for the flu mm-hmm. and for other things yeah. to prevent the for flus, colds, RSV, right? All these things that, that can put you in a bad spot if you did a bad one. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it takes something unexpected to kind of say, I, I wonder if I should have been doing that yeah. all along. Yeah. And I do think it, it opened up a lot. I mean, people didn't have anything to do, so they were home and they were reading. And mm-hmm. it was like this, you know, Google like thing where everybody mm-hmm. was just reading all sorts of things. And, you know, there is a, is a problem, I think, in our country with autoimmune disease and cancer and, and just things that are just like steadily increasing, mm-hmm. which is very, it should be alarming for, for everybody because, mm-hmm. you know, you, the answer or what the question rather is why? Yeah. I mean, if you look at our, our, our information compared to other, you know, countries, they don't always, they're, they're not the same in terms of what's causing their death versus what's causing death mm-hmm. in America. And that's linked to a lot of things, but a lot of it is our food mm-hmm. system, our, our nutrition, yeah. where our food comes from and how, it, how it's, you know, harvested, mm-hmm. those types of things. Yeah. So whether and, it's an industrial and, or organic. And hence you need the integrative part, the functional medicine part, because sometimes traditional medicine can't solve that. No. issue it doesn't have yeah. a there isn't a pill that will undo the lack of nutrition in your food supply right, right? you need yeah. there are other methods that you have to yeah. work on for that yeah absolutely and and i mean again all of this is wonderful but it is costly and mm. i i think that yeah. that's the tough part I, I try to do my best to make sure that i'm affordable for patients so that mm. access to care is there that's really important to me um but it, it is. It's a, it's a long process for myself when I create plans for patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's difficult, too, for them to make some of the lifestyle changes, especially if they don't have the income yeah. to, to support it. Because organic foods, you know, organic oh, grass-fed meats, they are not cheap. Yeah. Um, and so it's do you work with people also to see what, in other words, what would be the ideal plan for them, but also what's a plan that maybe is attainable for yeah. now for their budget? Yeah, I mean, you have to meet a patient where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's an important concept because sometimes I think people will pay all this money to see providers that are similar, and then they're told all this information, but they're like, I, I, I just can't, can't, I can't yeah. do it. Um, you know, so I think if we're kind of substituting some things here and there, mm-hmm. you're going to have some benefit. And so I just try to encourage them from mm-hmm. my standpoint, what things 
can we change? What yeah. things can we substitute right now and, and do that, mm -hmm. you know? So. I tend to have, I guess, like a plan for, okay, as, as if your situation changes or your budget improves, here are things to be thinking about that you can make changes in the future. Yeah. But I am, but so kind of like, you know, here's what you can do now and here's what you can do later. Yep, absolutely. And then, you know, I think too, what I have found with patients that are, that maybe struggle with the nutrition change is mm -hmm. maybe they can't afford it or they can make some of the changes, but they don't know how to cook the foods. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's been on my yes. brain for a while. Like how can we help or give this information to the public so that they, they can cook the foods and make them taste good? Because mm. yeah. I get that a lot. Well, mm. this doesn't taste good. Well, <laughs> it could. It could. <laughs> yes. Yes. It could. You got to learn uh, how to cook. but <laughs> Right. So, I mean, I think that there are a lot of, there are a lot of places that we could uh, provide services like mm -hmm. that. You know, mm -hmm. just showing people how to cook the food, uh, I think, would make a huge Cooking difference. Cooking classes. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'm an old mate. It makes to I am one sense. person, but it is one of the things I want to do. Yeah, you yeah. know, like. Absolutely. Yeah. What's it from uh, our audience? Uh, thank you, uh, Rosalita, Rosalita Todaro, watching this morning. Thank you so much. Um, our audience always interested. What's it like being an entrepreneur as well? Like kind of taking that leap and like having yeah. your own business scary and stressful yeah <laughs> i wish i had better words but no it's that's <laughs> nine out of ten entrepreneurs will tell you that yeah yeah i i don't know what i expected i knew it would be hard um but i, I just felt like it, it was something i needed to do yeah. you know no matter what i was doing before I, there was something missing and i needed to have the ability to to try it you know mm -hmm. if i fail i fail but i'm not you know i want to do the best I can to yes. make it successful. Um, and I think that the direct primary care concept is harder here. I mean, I'm, I'm out in Zion Crossroads, so it's a little bit more rural. So I think that concept is difficult for folks because they don't understand, well, I have insurance. Why should I pay a monthly fee? Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, my patients would tell you it's worth it. Um, so, you know, it's taking a leap for patients yeah. too, you mm -hmm. know, to, to see somebody and trust somebody. And I do think that once patients come in and they talk to me, you know, sometimes they leave in tears, they're happy. Mm -hmm. Like somebody sat down and listened to what they had to say and yeah. heard them and they feel validated in what they've been feeling. Um, and I think that's important. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's thinking of insurance and healthcare in a new way. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. I, and I really like that. I like that, mm -hmm. that notion. That you and have to I like the away. personal connection yeah. you're trying to sell as well. Yeah. Because I feel like that's important to have. Like you as a oh, patient, you want to trust your doctor. You mm -hmm. don't just want in like, like oh, here's your yeah. doctor for the day. You're like, uh, I don't know this person. But you want to create that connection. This way, yeah, it builds that trust. It's like, hey, mm -hmm. listen, this is a problem that I have. You know, what can we do to solve yeah. it? Right. And I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, Shannon, this has been an absolute pleasure. Mm -hmm. Really you. appreciate you you coming on today. If people are interested in like, okay, I, I want to find out more. I want to I want to schedule something. I want to talk to Shannon. What's the best way to get in touch with you? So, I my office is located in Zion Crossroads. It's got a Troy address, but it's kind of right in that Zion okay. Troy mm -hmm. um, area. So, I have a website www.360health-wellness.com. Oh, um, if you want to book an appointment, the easiest way is to go to the web page. There's a book now button easily allows you to see my schedule and do self-scheduling. My phone number is 540-517-7170. You can call or text it, um, and I can help get you set up as well. Um, I didn't mention I do also IV therapy, um, hormone management, 
and um, some nutrition and weight loss stuff as oh, well. Um, yeah. So kind of all, it's all encompassing. Very holistic. Yeah, yeah. Way absolutely. of looking at it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Wonderful. Well, be, be sure to check it out, www.360thenumbers360health-wellness.com. Shannon, thank yeah, you so thank much you so for much. coming. I really thank appreciate so it. I learned a lot, appreciate and I'm it. glad to, to know you're here mm-hmm. doing what you're doing. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it. All righty. So as we transition here to our... That was, that was good yeah. to hear. You know, and, and I, I like the personal aspect of mm-hmm. even just now kind of having like your own personal doctor, kind of being, a, mm-hmm. you know, just for me, I always like that approach of... You and I always talk about yeah. that personal touch. Mm-hmm. And I don't... Sometimes you get, even myself, like I'm like, I don't feel like going to the doctor because it's yeah. like, I don't know what doctor's going to show up well, on mine. kind of, in some ways... To, let's face it the the way things have worked is you you're now always it's almost like you always have a third person in the room with you and the doctor which is the mm-hmm. insurance company and it's hard to get them out of the picture because so much is connected with that mm-hmm. and it really it's funny as a financial person I always kind of bristle at the way health insurance is done because like insurance if you think about life insurance right you don't get life insurance so that if you stub your toe, something happens, or if you lose your job, you get paid something. You get life insurance to insure against a catastrophic event, which is you die, <laughs> right? With home insurance, for the most part, do you get home insurance so that if you spill wine on your couch, you can use home insurance to get a new couch? No, you get home insurance for the most part so that if you lose your yes. whole house and everything in it, you, you can you have something to ensure you against mm-hmm. this catastrophe. But the funny thing is with the way health and healthcare and health insurance work, right, we've embedded it so much that you use health insurance to do a checkup with your doctor, which is not catastrophic at all. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if I have a catastrophic event happening, you know it. Every time you call, if you ever call, like, your primary care doctor, mm-hmm. your family medicine doctor, right, it literally, if you get the message or the, uh, like you call them and it's lunch hour, mm-hmm. last thing they always say, and it's funny, every time I call it the same thing, the voicemail says, if this is an emergency, hang up the phone and call the, the 911. In other words, if you have a catastrophic event, you shouldn't be calling, like, hey, can I do a checkup? You know, I'm bleeding profusely yes. from my um, leg. I, I think, think my I intestines have, popped yeah, out. I think uh, I might have severed an artery. Can <laughs> I come in tomorrow for a checkup? You know, no, you call 911 and go to the emergency is, room. Is this right? something I should be worried about? Could I possibly die within yeah. the next 30 And yet years? we've embedded health insurance with yeah. that, with the checkup, where it's like, mm-hmm. this is not an emergency. I might have a cold. Uh, oh, well, I'm going to have to talk to your health insurance provider. And see the stuff. Why? Why is this involved? So it's. It's just interesting how we've done that and how there may be ways in the future to separate that out so that you have insurance for catastrophic outcomes, but you, you have a different model for how you interact exactly. with your doctor which, or your nurse practitioner. You know? Yeah, and, and health's important because you, know, you only got one body. And sometimes I, I think the problem is we kind of neglect it mm-hmm. until it becomes an issue. And then when it becomes an issue now, it's a lot more work yeah. to kind of get yourself back healthy. And then for other people, sometimes... They don't even have that opportunity. So it's kind of important to make sure you're healthy and, you know, make sure your body's working as it needs to work. Yeah. It's funny. Sometimes I feel like we treat it worse than we treat other things like, like our home. Like if, you, if you saw like a little water spot in your ceiling, right, you wouldn't be like, ah, I'll wait till it's like a big spot. 
mm-hmm. and then I'll call them in to fix. You're like, oh, dang, I got to get that fixed. There must be a leak somewhere. With your body, it's, like, oh, it's, it's not working really well. Listen, I, I've seen it within ourselves and with other people. Yeah. Because we even treat our pets better. We're like, oh, my gosh, wait a second. You know, our dog will come and live. He lived for like he two lived. seconds. Like, oh, this is this emergency. Take him to the vet. And he'll pay as much money. And then for yeah. us, it's like I woke up. My leg's crooked. I'm limping. You know, I got sore this. I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. You I'll know, I'll top it out. You know, yeah, I'll, do, I'll do with you I'll be all later. right. Yeah, I'll be all yeah. right. It's amazing yeah. how, how we do certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, but what can you do? What can yeah. you do? It's just, and it's funny. I mean, obviously health is always on the top of that like uh, New Year's resolution list. I need to get healthier and stuff. Although this year, number one was a different kind of wellness. Which actually financial, financial wellness. wellness. Why did I know you were going to get to that? She, I thought I did that pretty well. You know what's funny? You, you mentioned that. And I feel like I'm wondering whether that was actually a push. Because I know we've been very busy this year with a lot of new people coming in. Asking you know, about financial plans. And you know, wondering how to manage money. And yes. you know, out of curiosity, Alex. Like, what are like, the most mm-hmm. questions that you've been asked? Like, people come in and you say, like, you know. Financial advisor, it's like, what can you help me with? Mm-hmm. What have you been experiencing? With yeah, that? that's, a, that's a good question. It's, it's, it's true. There's, sometimes I think people get a little confused. They walk in like, what do I even ask? If I need, feel like yeah, I, I mean, we've had see. people come in and ask like 500 different things. They mm-hmm. had, some people come in and start asking about mortgage advice. Well, mm-hmm. like, we're not really mortgage people. But luckily, Xavier is so knowledgeable in everything that oh, it's like... But that's something that, that your financial advisor can help you mm-hmm. with. And so I think the key is really what you want to ask your financial advisor is first off what are you you want to know from them what are the range of services you're actually looking at in other words are you merely going to provide me with a financial plan are you only going to help me manage retirement assets do you do all of these things together right will you charge for the different aspects right i mean we've had people come in and not realize that you know i mean our 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 first consultation is free Right, they mm-hmm. think it's an hourly model. Well, that's something important to know. In other words, if we, and they, I mean, it worked out for them because we're not like we're not going to charge you mm-hmm. come in for the first time. We're not like being like all right, two fifty bucks an hour. Yeah, right, not like lawyers where it's like you know you, my dad used to talk. Like, he talked fifty minutes. Oh, about way family, back. Yeah, he and then he that. had like one question, ten minutes, and then he got billed for the entire hour. Yeah, he got. I think he got rid of that lawyer. Yeah, three fifty, sure. and he's <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> so it's it's not you know, but you want to want to know that you know, is this something hourly? Is this something that I'm just paying you? Is it all inclusive? So it's important to know first what you're looking at, right? Mm-hmm. But then also. Feel free to ask the questions. I mean, a, a good financial advisor should be able to help you with several things. First off, in other words, not just how should your portfolio be invested, right? Because that, I mean, that's one that I think a lot of people think about, right? Do I have the right investment? That's the most generic question. The most generic, right? Your, your financial advisor should also be able to help you, all right, how much do you need to save to get to this point, Right. Do you need and how? What's the best way to do that? Mm. In other words, you may come out saying, "All right, I need to save five hundred dollars a month to get to my goal at retirement. To retire when I want to retire, given the things I want to do with retirement, given my current income, given my current expenses. What do I need to do? Right? And your financial advisor, a good financial planner, they can help you figure out. Okay, what do I need to make any changes in expenses? How much should I save? Where should I save? And that's a key one. Sometimes you might just be like, all right, I just have to save, you know, 500 bucks a month. Well, 500 bucks a month into your 401k is different than 250 into your 401k and 250 into a Roth IRA. 
is different than 250 into a 401k and 250 into a taxable brokerage account. Mm -hmm. Those are going to give you three very different outcomes, right? For some people, certain things aren't going to be possible. Like it, your income may prevent you from putting the money into a Roth IRA, right? In which case, well, you're going to, you might be better off with a 401k, but what if your work doesn't offer one? Now you might be looking at a combination of a traditional IRA and a brokerage account, right? And those are going to have different tax implications mm -hmm. both now and in the future. And they're going to change the numbers. So it's important to make sure when you're having your financial advice, they should be asking, what types of accounts do you have? How much, what is your income? So you, you got to be comfortable yeah. sharing information because that's going to be a, that's going to go a long way to helping you figure out what is the right plan for me. And what kind of information would people need to share? Like, so, I mean, go ahead. So, I mean, it, it can vary. Some people are like, you know, we've had people walk in and say, here's my tax return from last year. Oh, <laughs> I don't know where to start, right? But what a good way to start is always, can you actually, and this is good whether you're going to see a financial advisor or not, can you break down your expenses into categories? Mm -hmm. Because one of the first steps that you're going to have to do to figure out what you need to do is know where your expenses are coming from. In other words, if, if your idea of your expenses is this is my credit card bill at the end of the month and I pay it off, then you're right, it's going to be hard to make changes. If, if your That's financial true. planner comes back and says, well, you need to cut 50 bucks a month out of your budget, you're like, well, where is well, where? where? I mean, I get a credit card bill yeah. at the end of the month. I, I think being able to itemize how you and where and you spend your money. it could be big categories. It could be dining exactly. out. Travel. Travel. Uh, groceries. Groceries. Hobbies. Household. Hobbies. Exactly. So to know that is going to go a long way. And that's mm -hmm. something you can work on even before you, you go visit a financial advisor, right? You don't want to know how much money do you make. Like what is your income beyond the – and what is your income not just that shows in in your paycheck, but what is your gross income, mm -hmm. right? Because financial planners are going to take into account state taxes, income taxes, uh, payroll tax, Medicare mm -hmm. tax. There's taxes that will eat to your income when you're making a plan – you got to account for that because if mm -hmm. you sit there and say, well, I'm going to get you know, $3,000 a month, but you're going to have taxes withheld, which means your final paycheck isn't going to be $3,000 a month. It's going to be $2,500. So you can't spend $3,000. <laughs> yes. right? So you need to know. And if you have to things. save, you can't spend $2,500 too. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, you don't have to be able to share that information, mm -hmm. know that, um, know what tax. You don't have to know what tax bracket. You have to know your income. You have to know your expenses. You have to know. You should know things like what is your mortgage rate? Yes. How many that, years that's a big one. That's a big one. How much you pay per month mm -hmm. on mortgage? Uh, any student loans? What exactly. are your student loans? How much you pay per month? How, mm -hmm. Like how long until you find, pay well, them Well, what's off? the balance? How many years are left on this mortgage? Exactly. Because you don't want to take it into account. If you do a, fa a plan, you don't want to know when you stop paying the mortgage. Mm -hmm. That's a big piece. At that point, that expense goes away. It's not a recurring expense yes. beyond the life of the mortgage. And also, if you have a, is it a fixed rate mortgage or is it an adjustable rate mortgage? If it's a fixed rate mortgage, it doesn't go up with inflation. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of your other expenses, groceries, you know, if you have, if you think about it, if your groceries, rent, and gas, all three of those things are going to change with inflation. If you have a fixed rate mortgage and your mortgage payment is fifteen hundred a month over a 30-year period, that's not going up with inflation. Your property tax and your, ins your home insurance might, but your mortgage, principal and interest, mm -hmm. if it has been amortized over 30 years but to give you a number, it's not changing. So it's a non-inflationary expense. 
and it goes in an entirely different category. Because mm-hmm. you don't want you don't want to accidentally think that's going up with inflation because it's not. No. So you'll think that you're way worse off than you actually are if you were to mistake. And, and another important thing too is to talk about mortgages is goals too. Because if you want mm-hmm. a, like a new house, you have to kind of say, okay, when would you think about moving in ten years? Exactly. Yeah, so now you have to start planning. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, so at some point you're going to have to get a new mortgage. You know, mm-hmm. and then you kind of kind of guess. Okay, how much is your house worth now? Mm-hmm. How much might it be worth in ten years? Exactly. You know, and well, that's why you also need to update your financial plan as well, mm-hmm. because it, you know your financial plan today is not going to be the same as it is three years no, from now. Exactly, because inflation could be different. The market could be well, different. Think about it. We were running I mean, when we ran financial plans for people in 2019. We told them this. We mm-hmm. said, look, a financial plan. Xavier likes to call it a living document, right? It, it, things change over time. You might get a new job. You, things will change. And when we were running financial plans in 2019, we were kind of, remember, inflation at that point was like 2%. The and world we, was normal, Alex. It yeah, was normal. Was normal. <laughs> <laughs> and it, we would put into the financial plan, look, we, we need to have a worst-case scenario in here because mm-hmm. inflation may not always be 2%. So what we'll do is we'll have that scenario where inflation goes from 3 to 5 Right, and then goes back down to three, right? And two years later, of course, we're calling everybody saying it went up to nine. You got to come back in because you know how we told you we were being aggressive with inflation at five. It's at nine. Yeah. So we need to look at your financial plan. We need to review your financial plan once again, which we need to make some changes here mm-hmm. because it's not five. It's not. Yeah. And that that changes because the two biggest impacts on the financial plan is inflation and expenses. Mm. Because inflation is how expenses change over time, and it's uncontrollable, and expenses is that which is being changed mm-hmm. by inflation, which is controllable. So it's, those are your two big pieces to look at. But it's, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. And even from a, let's say you're not even interested, you're not even thinking of financial planning. You're like, ah, I just need to talk to someone to how my investment should be managed. Well, the time frame is going to have a lot to do with that. If, you're, if you walk in and say, I don't need a plan. I just want, here's my retirement stuff. Uh, how, tell me what stocks I should buy. Tell me you know, what funds I should be in. Well, what's the plan for this account? Is this your retirement account for 40 years from now? Because if that's the case and you're 25, we're going to be really aggressive. Yeah, and if you're 65, we're going to be really conservative. You're not going to take risks. Well, it's also important about the people's needs. Sometimes people come in and they're like, "Hey, I need a cash flow. I need this amount per month. Can you get it?" Well, that portfolio is going to be very different than someone saying, "I actually don't need this money mm-hmm. now. I'm this money can grow because I can still provide for myself." Exactly. Well, just think about it. You might an ordinary 70 year old might need a conservative portfolio generating cash flow. Mm-hmm. But if this ordinary seven-year-old is like, yeah, my social security is and like pension, twice what I, I pay. Pension. I'm so scared to have a pension and it's like three times my monthly expenses. So I, I really just want this so that my grandkids inherit it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now we might not actually be a conservative portfolio. We might be looking at an aggressive one mm-hmm. because we don't care about cash flow. What you're looking for is... It's purely a long-term play. Exactly. You look at a 10, 15-year period, God willing, for the client. But Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and vice versa. You could be sitting there. You're 30, and normally this would be an aggressive account. But you say, yeah, but this is a Roth IRA, and I want to buy a house in five years, and this is going to be my down payment. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not going to be super aggressive with something that you're going to pull in five years. Mm-hmm. Now, you're still going to be somewhat level of aggression, right? Because you don't need it immediately. But... This is going to be, it's going to be a different portfolio. And as the five years approaches, it's going to become less and less risky. In other words, when we get to the point where you're six months out 
from potentially buying a house, it's not going to be 100% in stocks mm-hmm. because you don't want to go buy a house. You don't want to go get pre-approved and you'd be like, yep, I have a $80,000 down payment, right? And then six months later, you go to buy the house, you call it up and say, well, it's actually 50 now because the stock market crashed, right? <laughs> that was pretty aggressive uh, portfolio. Okay. Well, all right. That, that, well, it's a minus... <laughs> I know. I understand. I know. A 30 out of 40 is a minus 30%. That yeah. can easily happen in six months in a stock market crash. That's true. Right? A recession comes, you could mm-hmm. easily see minus 20. So you could go from 100... Uh, minus 20 would take you from 100 to 80. Yeah. Which... Promise now you got to go back to your lender and say, I don't have a hundred thousand dollar down payment that you mm-hmm. calculated my mortgage based on. I only have 80. It's a totally different mortgage payment, totally different scenario, right? So, you when you reach that point where you're six months out and you're going to get a mortgage, you may still want that Roth IRA invested, but you want it invested very conservatively. Mm-hmm. In other words, what, what can we do so that it earns you, you can some grow, interest? You can but- grow, but it basically is not going to move much in price. Exactly. So, so it's a, interesting. There's a lot of different goals and kind of people really mm-hmm. need to kind of think before you like see a financial advisor of kind of what, what the future holds for you short term and long term. Exactly. Think. Well, and a good financial advisor can help you think about think that. About in other that. words, you may sit there and say, I don't know what my goals are, but a good financial advisor can help you. All right. You want to own a do house you like to travel? Yeah. Do you, yeah. Would you buy a house in five years? Do you have a car? Well, yeah. Do you have a car payment on it? No, no, no. It's an older car. Do you think you might need a new car in seven years? Oh, yeah, I'll probably need a new. So a good financial mm-hmm. advisor will help you through that process of figuring out what it is that you may want or need. But it's important to know both short and long-term goals when you talk to a financial advisor or financial planner. Mm. Those are some key, some key aspects. You know, and... You know, financial planning, if you go for a plan, it should cover a lot of things. You know, sometimes people might just think, oh, financial plan will tell me how aggressive I should be in my stock portfolio. Uh, it should also... It's more comprehensive. It should that. have an insurance component. In other words, mm-hmm. you don't, your financial planner might not be selling you insurance. That like We don't sell people life insurance. But we figure out in a financial plan, oh, you have two people, they're both earning money. What happens, God forbid, one of them dies? Mm-hmm. Do they have enough life insurance that the other one is still in good shape? Or do you just, you don't want a scenario where your financial plan says, ah, you're both good until 99. You run out of money mm-hmm. in 99. But if person A passes away and that pension isn't there anymore, the other one runs out of money at 75. Well, mm-hmm. that's a big problem. So you, you need to take into account survivorship analysis. Mm-hmm. And which might tell you, your financial planner might say, look, I don't sell insurance, but... My plan is telling you, you need this much life insurance in order to, you know, make sure that this spouse makes it till 90 if something happens to the other spouse. So you want those types of elements in your financial plan because there's going to be parts of your financial plan, uh, life that don't revolve around your savings or your investments, but impact your insurance, your, your long-term care health insurance. Your Medicare. A lot of people come in, don't know that Medicare is not free. They're like, oh, I turn, when I turn, you know, 65, I'll go on Medicare. And I'm like, yeah, do you intend to, part A is free, but do you intend to, like, get the Medicare supplemental to do the gap? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. That's a, that they'll probably, t- and you don't want to decide that quickly because you don't want to wait till, till later because there's a penalty for waiting. Mm-hmm. So there's things to think about. 
even though you might sit there and say, well, what does my health insurance have to do with my, you know, finances? What has, for a, from a financial planning standpoint, has a lot to do with it. And you need to also prepare for, God forbid, an emergency that might cost mm-hmm. you, especially as you get older. Exactly. Exactly. Well, which is a way to think about it. Sometimes people might say, well, all I need is, you know, I talk to some guy and all I need is an annuity. Give them a hundred grand and they'll guarantee me, you know, 1500 a month for the rest of my life. Right? Well, you want your financial planner to, A, read the annuity and make sure it's really for the rest of your life and not for 20 years and then at age 85 it stops. Right? But also, B, can you take out more? What happens, in other words, if you would convert all your money to your annuity and you get $2,000 a month, right? What happens if there's an emergency? Can you, can you get 50000 mm. Or can you not? Because if you can't, then you sit and say, you have no emergency. You, so you can't turn your whole money, as attractive as it might sound, you can't turn your 200000 into a guaranteed $1,000 a month for mm-hmm. life. Because if you need fifty, you can't get it. You have to borrow. I think that's the advantage of having a brokerage or Roth is that the money's still yours, no matter how much cash flow you have. Exactly. So there's there's other ways to work it out where you might say, all right, well, what if I invest in income generating investments like stocks, bonds, Mm -hmm. you know, dividend paying stocks, high yield bonds? Are these things that could generate me a thousand dollars a month, but I still have the principal? Mm -hmm. So there's different things you can do to make sure that you're looking at a comprehensive picture and making the right decision. And I would say, talk to your financial advisor before you make decisions. Don't be that person that calls and says, Alex, I bought a new house for an investment property. Was this a good idea? And I'm like, well, if it wasn't a good idea, there's nothing I can do about it. You bought the house already. In other words, it, don't be afraid to call your financial advisor. Like, they shouldn't be charging you for like a phone call. Well, it's like like Shannon with the doctor. Exactly. You know, you can call and ask a question. You don't have to be like, oh, oh no. man, is this going to cost me? Yes. Right. So don't be afraid to call them. And if they don't know the answer, they probably can refer to someone that does. In other words, mm-hmm. we're not accountants, but if we don't know the answer to an accounting question, like should I itemize or do a standard deduction, we can at least point you in the right direction by saying, well, here's what a standard deduction is. If you think you got a lot of itemizing, you should talk to an accountant and ask this question, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's things that can be helped you with. Like if you go and say, should I buy and should I sell my house and buy a new one? Well, we're like, and we can be like, look, we're not a mortgage broker, right? I can't tell you what the interest rate that you're going to be quoted by a mortgage company is. I can't tell you that this bank will lend to you. But I can figure out some raw numbers and say... If it's this interest rate and if it's this house, you can afford it, right? So I can give you that answer and then you can go to – and we can, rec- we can tell you these are some mortgage brokers in town. You can go to a mortgage broker and then find out what the actual rate that you can be quoted is. So it's – there are answers you can get even if we can't give you the final answer. Right? We may not be able to give you buy this house from this lender at this price, right? Because we can't control – the lender and the real estate market, but we can tell you if it's this if it's this price and this interest rate, this is what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of what. So don't be afraid to give those, make those calls. That's good. Yeah. All right, that that was a lot of information, Alex. That was very nice. I hope it, I hope it was helpful. Yeah, no, I, I think it was. I think there it you was. go. There you go. So great questions, great questions <laughs> as always. <laughs> As always, you know, just a little They just popped into my head out of nowhere. It's amazing how, yeah. how you do that. I'm always very impressed. I'm fly, yes. Always <laughs> very impressed. By the way, it was a great show. Learned a it lot. Was. 
great to have Shannon on and appreciate what she's doing in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, we're going to have on Matias Jones. going to be back for our monthly meetup with Matias. He was here in January. Yeah. Now he'll be in February. We'll, it's always great having him Always Matias great having him on. I always learn mm-hmm. so much. We talk about so many different things, entrepreneurship and you know, life work balance. Ask me tough questions about my New Year's resolutions. Ask you tough questions about your New Year's resolutions. <laughs> so that'll be great uh, to have him on. Appreciate everyone who tuned in. Um, oh, Dr. Elizabeth Derby was watching the show this morning. No. So thanks Did she for, see your thanks for jo- Mr. Guten Morgan? Or, uh, but hopefully uh, she didn't uh, well, see me forget how to say uh, that it was morning. such an obvious one, too. Uh, the morning that knows that she wrote in Guten Morgan <laughs> is the, uh, the correct uh, way. So I just blanked I, on I, I mean, I remember that. I, was I like, blanked. This is I such blanked. an easy one. I blanked on it. So that's okay. Uh, I'll be for, hopefully I'll be forgiven for getting that one wrong. But uh, thanks for everyone who tuned in. Kevin Higgins, great question. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, obviously, Monica, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Rosalia, thanks for tuning in. So just appreciate everyone who, who watches, uh, watches the show. Makes it possible. Makes it possible. Makes it possible. Appreciate, of course, Judah mm-hmm. behind the camera, making us all look good, making everything, helping uh, Judah Jerry put together our nice banner. Yes. You know, for uh, some today, manana, of course, appreciate Emerging Financial Services, Castle Hill Cider, Matias Yon Realty Credit, Serious Insurance. Thank you all for, for tuning in. Look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you for being with me. Yes, I just have the quick thing, too. Yeah. If you notice the thing, how so it forms an X. It's oh, like Xavier. Like X-Man for X-Man. Xavier. There's a Look. Today Manana X. Oh, I oh, see man. it. Oh, man. Judah it. did that on purpose to get this Xavier. Little, exactly. You know, we, got, we put lines now through this. Yeah, nicely like, done. Nicely yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> the subliminal message. Exactly. The X-Man is always, X-Man. Is always on. His presence is always felt even always when he's not here. Even when he's not here. <laughs> So, well, of course, love being on with you. Happy to be um, here. Moving forward to next week. Mm-hmm. So I can't remember if it's you and me or David or me, but we'll find out. We'll keep people in suspense. That's the yeah, idea, exactly. right? It's like, you know. suspense. Exactly. So you'll just have to tune in next week to find out whether I'll be on with Xavier or with Michael. Or maybe or whether, even Nicholas. Or Nicholas. He may have made a surprise appearance. You never know. You never know. So we look forward to that. We look forward to seeing you all. But until that time, stay warm. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Enjoy this weekend. And... Hasta mañana.